Welcome to Sunday on Monday, the best podcast about cannabis banking that you can listen to any day of the week. Brought to you by Safe Harbor Financial, pioneering cannabis banking since before it was cool. Bank with confidence. Bank with Safe Harbor Financial. Today, Safe Harbor Financial is the leader in cannabis banking, but every great story has a beginning. And I asked Sunday, take us back to the boardroom, a place where you discuss things like budgets and hires and new locations and branch redesign. What was it like to go in there and use the word marijuana for the first time? Well, taking me way back to July 2014, seven years, but since the industry operates in dog years, it really does seem like it was 49 years ago. Uh, first of all, though, I um, had taken the approach of clearing it with my board chairman, Clark Fassett, and I thought, well, you, you don't want to go in the boardroom and surprise the board, especially with the word marijuana, and so I discussed it with him over dinner, and he thought it was a good idea to approach the board. Surprisingly to me at that point, he'd already been keeping up with the industry and the Colorado Initiative, so he was more informed than I thought he would be. So I, I also figured that the rest of the board would be more informed than uh, maybe I was just the one who was uninformed <laughs> because it wasn't a surprise to my chairman. The first potential roadblock, therefore, uh, the chairperson who controls the agenda was removed because he allowed me to put it in new business. So when we finally got through the board meeting and we were down to new business, I said to the board, I have a real sensitive conversation I'd like to have with you. And I kind of dipped my head and, and you don't usually hear the word sensitive come out of my mouth. I usually take a much more bullish approach on, on my conversations with the board. But let's face it, marijuana in a boardroom, <laughs> still quite sensitive for me in 2014. So I dipped my head. And I just started talking because I don't think I wanted to be, you know, interrupted. Not that they were going to interrupt me, but, you know, when you, when you hit that word marijuana, you just think, you know, get the rest of it out before anybody can say anything and then look up. So I, I certainly got through my spiel about why I would, was looking at this, why I think, you know, we could do this, why I think it has to be done. And then I, I looked up and, you know, just to kind of gaze and, and, and see what the response was going to be. And sure enough, the very first question I got hit with was, are you crazy? And I thought, well, you know, to some degree, I think we're all crazy. It's just a matter to what degree. But I didn't say that at the time. And, and you know, yeah, I think it was a crazy idea. But I, and I, I admitted that it may be a crazy idea, but somebody's got to do it. And I actually think with a little hard work, we could do that. So I um, had to get you the board and the board meeting and the board. We had a very long discussion after that in terms of how we would approach it, you know, where we would know when to stop, would we be able to pull out if we got too far, you know, and, and, and we just agreed at that point in time to have the conversation for several months, really educate ourselves, they on their own personal level, and of course, 
uh, me as it pertains to the credit union and third parties. And so we, they gave me permission to pursue this idea and speak with our third parties to see if we would gain the support of our professional third parties like legal, uh, internal auditors, CPAs, and, and insure, right? The big question about insurance at that point in time uh, from a federal level being insured by the NCUA is you, know, you don't want to lose your insurance certificate. So we, we went through all that process over a period of four months, five months before the board allowed me to pull the trigger and approve the test. One of the people that was involved in the early days, she was on the supervisory committee seven years ago, is now chairwoman of the board at Partner Colorado Credit Union, Miss Linda Head. When I met Linda, it was August of this year. She is a very demure, very well-spoken lady who spent 30 years in the United States Postal Service and was actually a letter carrier back in the 1970s when there were not a lot of female letter carriers. And she spoke very honestly about the concerns that they had for the individuals and the credit union brand itself back in the beginning. Just looking into it, just contemplating it was still a grave concern. We didn't have a lot to fear yet, but it was a grave, grave concern. Uh, I think we found out, we, we found it unbelievable and, uh, and very ambitious that a credit union of our size was going to contemplate and research this project, nonetheless, think about even tackling it. So our biggest fear was the obvious ones, that we were opening ourselves up to uh, significant repercussions if something went wrong. This is a federally illegal activity. We would be opening up the board of management to potential prosecution. We could face uh, risk of forfeiture of assets. So um, we knew that fear. It, uh, we didn't need a lot of education on that. One of the dynamics I love about this show is that I know a lot of people outside the banking marketplace are listening to it, and it's important to note that Partner Colorado Credit Union today used to be a postal credit union, federal employees, a lot of postal culture in this particular credit union and at the leadership level. And so, of course, one of the biggest concerns had to be how are the member owners of the credit union, a former postal credit union, than a feel about this banking a federally illegal product. The other big fear was our fiduciary responsibility to the members of the credit union. We, uh, we, we were deeply concerned about what they would think if we were engaged in such a controversial or risky endeavor. We wondered if they would lose confidence in management and the board. Would they leave the credit union? And ultimately, um, when we did make a decision, we, we wondered if they would understand our motive for taking on banking cannabis proceeds. Well, in addition to being a very pragmatic leader, Sunday was also very transparent about every step on this journey, and that was absolutely key to the leadership of the credit union. That is something that... Um, I think turn fear into caution and concern is that we uh, were extremely upfront with uh, auditors, regulators, attorneys, elected officials, you name it. We were upfront with them, transparent that we were doing it. You know, while a lot of banks were kind of um, doing it with their head in the sand, 
We were straightforward and transparent. We assured everyone all the time that we were going to have a high level of compliance. That was our focus. When banking is just checking and savings and debit cards, it is one of the most over-regulated industries in the country. And now you have the usual exams that go on every year or every other year, but now that you're doing cannabis banking, the scrutiny that was placed on Partner Colorado Credit Union and Safe Harbor Financial was absolutely intense. You know, the, the very second, I think, that we started uh, onboarding uh, cannabis clients and banking their proceeds, we were immediately under intense scrutiny. The impact was immediate. And, uh, you know, whereas before we would maybe have uh, four to six auditors on a annual or even 18-month uh, audit cycle, we now were seeing 20 or more auditors at a time. We, we really almost didn't have to, uh, room to accommodate them in the building, and um, they were coming more and more frequently. It was really, really a testament to the staff here that they were, they were able to work through it because what we turned into was a training ground. Not only did they send 20 plus auditors, but uh, they, sent they sent different teams. And that meant our staff had to revisit everything about the process all over again. And um, it was really a lot of stress and strain, especially because they came more frequently. And uh, it was really uh, due to Sunday's determination to make a, a gold standard compliance program. We withstood it all and really came through these exams with very insignificant things to improve or address. As I sat there interviewing Linda, I was struck by just how methodical and serious she was about this particular Subject. I wanted to know if her family knew the risk that she was taking to herself personally and the brand that was partner Colorado Credit Union. And I mentioned that nobody wanted to see her in, or anybody, in an orange jumpsuit. And Linda reminded me that this whole thing was approached very professionally. There were no jokes made about things like that. Well, one thing, you mentioned orange. And I, you know, I think it's significant to, to say that we never cracked jokes about this. You know, how do you look in orange or something? We, it was never, ever joked about, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, so anyway, back to your question. When I brought it up to my family, which is basically my husband at home, there was no, you know, there was worry and concern, but, you know, the way we always moved towards this banking project was that we were going to make the community safer and nobody was doing it. There were millions and millions of dollars on the street all the day, every day. There were guards being killed, there was uh, dispensaries being robbed, there were employees being paid in cash and envelopes, and, and nobody was doing anything about it, and it wasn't going to go away. This is actually a very key point. You cannot appreciate the scope of the cannabis marketplace unless you visit Colorado. Once the genie came out of the box that um, cannabis was legal in Colorado, it was not going to get put back in the box and there was going to be money on the streets. I then asked Linda, was there a moment in this process where you said to yourself, or collectively, as the leadership, I think we're going to be okay. The fears that we had in the beginning have abated and that we're going to be doing this the right way for the foreseeable future. There's been uh, uphill battles in sort of 
plateaus, then uphill battles and plateaus, you know. Uh, so it hasn't been a linear <laughs> progression here. This has been a very challenging project, but I would say a year and a half, 18 months to two years into this, I think there was a feeling of or a recognition that we had actually achieved something and that we were going to be able to sustain it. And in some ways, I think that was always going to be the easiest part because, as I mentioned, when you go to Colorado, you get a sense of just how big this marketplace, this cannabis marketplace, actually is. We had always had a lot of potential clients. Certainly, we were um, onboarding and new clients and bringing in fees. The other big difference is that auditors seem to be a little more collaborative now. They uh, understood our processes and they knew how highly focused we were on compliance and that they hadn't found anything significant to push back on. The other thing is more and more banks and credit unions started showing an interest in what we were doing and uh, wanted to talk to Sunday. They wanted presentations. She was moving around the country speaking engagements. So. I, also on that, you know, there was a little movement in Congress about, you know, legislative changes to the laws. So a bunch of things came that um, just seemed to give a little bit of relief and also we felt a recognition. And always from our cannabis clients, uh, th their gratitude was uh, very meaningful to us. That's something that's been a, a constant yeah. for them all Yeah. It was it was amazing, and if you if you just stop for a minute and think about that, you have absolutely no banking in your life. I've been there. I mean, there was a time in my life where you know you're getting paid, you're not living at home, but you're not making a lot of money. You cash a check, you go buy money to orders, right? And you're dealing with cash, and you're losing the carbons, and you're it's terrible. Yeah. It's not terrible. And this was exponential. This yes. Was, it, this, these were businesses. And, and they were evolving at the speed of light, or at least dog ears. So, um, so anyway, uh, there was a lot of recognition in the board of things that we'd sort of accomplished and that we'd gotten someplace. Um, we never ever thought that we were like in a, uh, a cruise control mode because it, it always was like drinking out of a fire hose, definitely for Sunday and her crowd. It was really difficult. One of the reasons I wanted to speak to somebody on the board is I had a lot of preconceived notions about credit union board members. I had sold internet banking and bill pay back in the early 2000s when I was literally laughed out of the boardroom for suggesting things like internet banking and bill pay. And it was nothing like the suite of online and digital services that we have today. No banking apps, no social media, no online lending. Just the ability for your member to open up their laptop or their desktop computer, plug into a 56K modem, and seven minutes later check their balance. <laughs> <laughs> I went into many boardrooms, and I'm not exaggerating. I was laughed out of the boardroom. <laughs> And I mean that literally on, on more than one occasion, literally laughed out of the boardroom for suggesting that people would want to do their banking someday, not going to the actual bank or picking up the phone and talking. So I was very surprised that any board would say yes to this. Well, I think the key really was that, uh, you know, Sunday retired as our CEO in June. Mm -hmm. So at the time, a lot of people on the board had a great deal of um, experience working with Sunday, and she had really built up their trust. 
uh, they had great confidence in We have great confidence in her because I think she was always very transparent, straightforward. Uh, believe me, through this process, she has had to deliver some, some news that was difficult. And, and so I think, I think one of the key ingredients was for the reasons why the board was willing to take this on is that they, they knew Sunday wouldn't step her toe into things unless she really had researched it and she thought there was a chance of succeeding safely. I always think of her as someone who um, thinks outside the box, mm -hmm. but she is incredibly conservative. Those are really... Not yeah, and, and that is a great... Um, that, that is a great personality to have for this, and it probably is what has sustained her because this has been a very uh, difficult, challenging effort. Since Linda had blown up all my preconceived notions about your typical credit union board member, I asked her, what kind of things do you enjoy doing in your free time, in your spare time? And she mentioned that she loves playing tennis, which of course triggered me to have a 13-hour conversation with her about tennis, one of my absolute passions that I almost never talk about. Her name is Linda Head. She is the chairwoman of the board at Partner Colorado Credit Union, and I thank her for joining us on the Sunday on Monday podcast. Okay. Thank you, Jason. Next, we turn to the current president and CEO of Partner Colorado Credit Union, Doug Fagan, but four years ago, he was interviewing for the chief financial officer position at Partner Colorado Credit Union, and I asked him, what did you think when you found out that this credit union had this interesting side gig banking the cannabis industry? Well, that was the first question that they asked me in my interview. I mean, I, I literally, I was in Florida at the time. I've worked, been in Florida for a long time at that point, and the first question of the interview was, are you okay with them banking cannabis? And my re reaction was, well, is it legal in the state? And they said, yes. I said, then I'm okay with it. I didn't know what I didn't know at the time because I did say, well, sure, we can, that's a lot of money you can lend out, not knowing that, well, we can't lend it out. Now, but yeah, I, I was okay with it. And you had come from Florida, you were coming from Florida. Was it illegal at the time in Florida, as I believe it is now? Yes, it was. Yeah, so it was, it was brand new, brand new to me. And I, I thought, well, if they've done all the due diligence and they, they have you on compliance, which was emphasized when I came up here to interview, you know, I was okay with it. I mean, I, I, I understood the repercussions, but, I, you know, you, you, you go into it with a degree of trust of the people you're, you're going to be working with. Um, you develop that over, you can develop that over a short period of time just based on interactions and conversations. So I was okay with it, but it was it was different to say the least, and it's been that way for the last four years. One of the stories that I heard when I was in Colorado visiting the Safe Harbor offices uh, was from Sunday, so I knew it was true that at one point early on they had to count one million dollars in cash, folks. I have never seen a million dollars. I've never counted a million dollars. It. I, it, that was a story that blew me away, and so I had to ask. I had to ask Doug, did you really know what you were getting into? No, not at all. It was absolutely a leap of faith. Um, they, you know, the, the balance sheet management here has been really challenging because, you know, we have over 500 cannabis clients, and in the last 30 since 2018, 31 months, we have banked 12 over almost 12 billion dollars 
that we cash off the streets. Now, granted, all of it's not cash off the streets. Some of it is investment funds flowing in, but you know, it, it's a, it was a real social issue. I mean, it's a community service, so I, I was all in on that. You know, just make the community safer. You know, so, but balancing the the money coming in and how how it affects our balance sheet, and the examiners are very concerned about that. You, know, you take all this money in, but you, where are you going to? Is the income going to grow enough to keep up with it? So, that's been a challenge. Yeah. I asked Doug about his career before Partner Colorado Credit Union, because one of the one of the skills that Sunday seems to have is she finds very good people. The people have been there for a long time, and so I asked him about his career. Well, I've been in in the credit union world since I graduated college when I was 22 years old. You know, so almost well, 35 years, a little over 35 years. Um, I worked at, this was all in Florida before I came here. I went from a small credit union to a mid-sized credit union, and we merged into a very large credit union. Uh, and I worked there for um, seven years, and then this opportunity arose, and my wife said, why don't you look into it? And I've been in Colorado, and this is one of the very few places that I would have left Florida for. You know, so she was, give it a shot, see what happens. However, there was one small hitch. And we don't think anything now about working remotely, but four or five years ago, it wasn't as common as it is today. But there was one issue that Doug was worried about. The whole time I thought this is never gonna happen because my son was a senior in high school, going into his senior year. And he played baseball his entire life. And I wasn't going to miss his entire senior year of high school baseball. And so I had a requirement that they had to let me work from home from Florida, two weeks out of the, two weeks out of the year, out of every month, two weeks out of every month, and I thought this is a this is a deal breaker back then, and so I didn't really think of anything. I, and I told the, the person the interview, "What do you need? This is the one thing I need." And I said, "That's that's it. The deal's done. Hung up. Went back to work." And about ten minutes later, she calls back and says, "Okay, what else you need?" I'm like, "Uh oh, now it's real. I got to make a decision." <laughs> so I mean, I thought I was exercising futility because of that reason, but you know, Sunday was. Even that she was very um, open-minded and trust. I mean, there's a trust factor there that I was going to actually get my job done while I was, you know, 1,500 miles away. Uh, so that worked out well. But that's that's how I, I got here eventually. Next, I wanted to ask him about one of the threads that ran through our conversations when I went out to the Safe Harbor offices was this concept of it was needed so badly. These were legitimate businesses doing millions of dollars in revenue. This was not the farmer's market. This was an industry in a big state, the state of Colorado. And so I wanted to ask Doug, did other credit unions miss an opportunity to bank this gigantic industry that was growing exponentially? Well, they did for a long, for a long time. I mean, you know, the credit union philosophy is people helping people, right? So you, you, exactly, you go after the underserved people. Um, and I think there was a, there's always been a stigma around the cannabis industry, right? So, and I understand that. And, and credit unions, to your point you mentioned earlier, are conservative by nature. You know, they are um, made up of, the boards are not professional necessarily all the time. They're not professional you know, board members. They're, they're from whatever this, this select employee group that, that the credit union sponsors in the old days was single sponsor credit unions, a lot of them. So, I, but I think they did miss an opportunity. You know, a lot of them still are missing the opportunity, but they're weighing the risks versus the reward. And 
they're watching. I mean, somebody gets thousands of, of views on her LinkedIn account. She posts, she could post, um, well, I, I, I drove to the office this morning and she's gonna get a thousand views. You know, so they're watching her and they see the success that we've had and we do it right. I mean, it's all, this is a very, very high level of compliance around here. This is kind of our culture, is compliance. And that's what got us through all the exams. I called Doug while I was editing this show and said, I've never interviewed somebody who sounded so different when I listened back to the interview, because I conducted these interviews in person. And Doug is a very, very serious, but at the same time, a very unflappable. He sat here the whole time. We were interviewing Linda and was just patiently waiting. He has the analytical mind of an accountant. He has the, that I'll take a chance on it, um, cachet of a leader, but it's all done in a very understated way. And when I listened back to his interview, I realized he was also kind of funny. It was just an observation I made about him. And everybody I met at the Safe Harbor offices had a unique personality, but one thing that was constant throughout all the interviews was that the cannabis industry needed this. The community needed this. Community. It's about the community. And you tell the story about the people walking around and getting paid in envelopes that was mentioned earlier. And, I have not heard about problems. Oh, it's, it's just, it's crazy dangerous. I mean, there's, there's robberies. There's, uh, I mean, I heard a story about a, a company having to go pay their, pay their taxes downtown Denver with over a million dollars in a bag in cash. So it's a, it was really a safety issue. You know, so th once you explain it that way, there's a little bit more understanding, you know, but a lot of people still have difficulty getting over the personal liability issues. And of course, there were a lot of personal liability issues and, and issues that could have impacted the actual credit union brand itself. But looking back on it now, now that you have this beautiful, elegant brand, Safe Harbor Financial, you must take a lot of pride in being a part of that. Well, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, you lead. I mean, you're leading an industry. That's what everybody strives to do. At least that's what leaders strive to do is lead and do it the right way. And that's what we've done. Um, I have to say I've been very fortunate. I walked into the organization when a lot of the really hard, hard work had already been completed. You know, but I did get to the pleasure of experiencing a lot of those exams um, quarterly. And 20, 20, 23 was the highest number that of examiners that came for our credit union that traditionally our size would have about 10 uh, or less. But of course, it's, there's a lot of sense of pride. I mean, I, I, when I go back to Florida to visit friends, they say, how, they all ask, how's it going, how's it going? Well, it's going great. You know, you know our, our clients love us. They're dedicated. They're, they're, you know, we've had to ask them to do some things for balance sheet management, and they say when and how much and how fast. I mean, that's, there's a lot of loyalty there. There is a lot of loyalty, and you want to keep tuning in to Sunday on Monday because we're going to visit with some of those very loyal clients on upcoming episodes. And finally, I thank Doug so much for taking some time to join us on the Sunday on Monday podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure being here. And finally, to wrap up this episode, I wanted to go back to Sunday and ask her, how important has it been to have the support of the board and the credit union leadership on this tremendous journey. I cannot say enough good things about our board leadership over the past seven years as it pertains to this project. They, they have been and still are 
paramount to the success of this program. Without their support and without their leadership, we would never have been able to do what we have done in seven years. It really only takes one board member to kill a proposal in the boardroom for whatever reason. But to get seven or eight board members to move on a marijuana initiative and hold strong, that was courageous and insightful on their part. Their unwavering support for seven years, and I really mean unwavering, they didn't second-guess their commitment, they didn't second-guess management's reasons for doing this. It, it, It was not an easy path for them, and yet they held strong, and they held together. They were unified all the time through this process. Certainly, it required a lot of board education, and they went through that education, and they increased the number of their board meetings to make sure that they understood what we were doing, and they created a BSA committee to make sure they were watching us even more closely on on the BSA level. So they had extra work involved in all of this, but they held strong, and they held strong together. Seven board members, seven years, unified direction, Isn't that what the board and management relationship should look like once a decision is made in the boardroom? I would say I have to give them credit for for holding that strong and and supporting us, even when we were going through 15 exams and faced negative regulator repercussions. They held strong and didn't didn't try to back out. They, They made a decision seven years ago, they stuck with it, and everything was going in the right direction, and they took the hard knocks and kept moving forward. I cannot say all boards would have been supportive of a marijuana initiative, and certainly how many of those boards could hold strong for seven years while management is under severe scrutiny by the regulators? We didn't know it was going to take five, six years to solidify ourselves in in, in the industry and in the market. We had no clue because there was nobody that we could look at that had been in the market that long. So they held tough, strong, and unified. What more can a management team ask for? It is a great story, and we're going to keep telling it. Join us every month for Sunday on Monday, the best podcast about the serious business of cannabis banking until next episode sunday and her team at every level leadership and everywhere else they are staying alive